Welcome to Connect Over Coffee. We're here to entertain and educate you about the liquid obsession that we call coffee and the people who roast it. We want to connect you with amazing stories of coffee roasters from all over the world and teach you how to make your very best cup of coffee. Let's join hosts Tim Hill and Michelle Berkey for today's interview, a shot of coffee wisdom, and finally, some caffeine and weirdness. Hey, welcome back to part two of our interview with Blake Widmer from Def Can Coffee in Jamaica. I'm going to ask Blake to give a little thumbnail version of the history real quick, but do go back to the previous episode because there's a lot of good details. So give us a breakdown real quick. Yeah, sure, Tim. Def Can Coffee is a social enterprise here in Kingston, Jamaica. All of our staff are deaf and have developed to become some of the best baristas in Jamaica and have won a couple of awards locally. And so our whole business started as a fluke. It was just a field trip that we took with a bunch of high school students from a deaf school here in Kingston. And we took them to rural Jamaica to meet a deaf coffee farmer with the hopes that his confidence and who he was would inspire them to believe that they can do anything because our students often struggle with a lack of self-esteem. It worked. They got inspired. They started wanting to learn. We played around with coffee and really just got to work some miracles. And we got opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to serve coffee and share our story. And it it grew into a business. We're five years into it. Um, We have around 15 full-time staff working in about 10 different partnership locations. I really like the way that you're inspiring the kids to have their own self-confidence because we all have our own inadequacies and they shouldn't hinder us. But a lot of times, especially something that is as noticeable as deafness, I can see how it could totally stifle someone, but y'all definitely give them the ability and the belief that they can do anything they want because God can empower them that way. Because I did see on your website, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me is one of your core verses. Yep. I want to talk about something that's you know, really popular up here in the United States to see if it's something that is going on down there too. And that as far as social give back, yep. you know, there's the traditional four P's of, of marketing, product, price, place, and promotion. And the fifth P is really getting to be people where consumers want to see that the companies they buy from have a heart. They give back to the community, care about their people. And to me, that seems like that's at the core of your business. Do you see that down in Jamaica as well? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The the triple bottom line is another thing that people might call it. One to see just beyond, just beyond profit, you know, just beyond what's uh, happening with the company. They want to see people's lives being impacted. And uh, as a social enterprise, that is, you know, the breath we breathe. That's what we do. But what's great is we're able to pitch this to other companies and other companies are able to hire us to provide services for them. And through that, it allows them to develop a better reputation with their customer base. And so we are often hired by corporate companies to serve sometimes at a board meeting. We might be asked to come in and serve the executive board of a a big company because then that helps their board members feel good about what they're doing. And we're able to go to marketing events. Somebody might be launching a new product, totally unrelated to coffee, right? But they want people to come check it out at their booth. And so if we're there offering free coffee, the coffee draws people in and then the company is able to make their pitch for whatever they're marketing. And so something that's really taken a hold, uh, Jamaica has a pretty good social enterprise sector. There's a lot of companies here that are trying to use business as a force for good. And we've been fortunate enough to be in several training programs that bring social enterprises together. And through that, we're able to network with each other and strengthen each other and and buy from each other. But through that also, bigger companies are starting to be more aware of the need to have corporate social responsibility. And so 
by contracting us to provide them a service that's allowing them to show their clientele, you know, their customer base that they are being socially responsible. Sure. So it's been great for us. It's a win-win, really. Yeah, there might be some situations where a company might be not really sincere. That's not really that they care, but they want to appear that they do. We're a business, so we're happy to let them use us for that purpose. Uh, if we're able to hire people for the day, make money and pay them, that's what we want to be all about. So what the company does and why they do it is up to them, but it's a big part of what we do and it's a positive message. And hopefully the people who aren't sincere, you know, like I said, you definitely take advantage of them supporting you and, and helping you, but hopefully through your example, they can see that maybe they really should invest more in this or really feel the way they're they're trying to feel and, you know, spread that goodness that way. Yeah. And and one way I think that's had an impact is that because we get invited to some of these events that normally people in the deaf community wouldn't be at, that we're seeing an increase in interpreters that are being brought to events. So often in Jamaica, there aren't interpreters available for different things. And so especially in the government, I mean, we've done several functions for the government or at some workshops that are being hosted by a foundation where the government has representatives there. And because when our staff are there, we always require that interpreters are there as well so that our staff are included sure. and able to participate. So through that, we have we have seen, I think, a positive impact on the awareness of broader society and to make it on the need for accessibility for deaf people and to have interpreters there. And so even during coronavirus, there has been an interpreter at every single press conference that the government has had. And that's not just because of DEFCAM, because there's lots of people that have paved the way ahead of us in Jamaica. Sure. The interpreter who interprets for most of it, her parents are deaf. And so she grew up in the Jamaican deaf community, has been an advocate and a fighter for the community for a long time. So it's not just because of us, but I do think that our message has contributed to that awareness. And that's a good thing. Yeah, I agree. From what I see, what you're doing is you're helping people. You're giving them a hand up, not a handout. Like having the students have an investment with that roaster where they took out a loan and paid it back. And they're not just receiving, receiving, receiving. They're involved. They're intertwined with the whole situation so that it makes them want to succeed more, I think. Yeah. And I mean, we really emphasize with our staff that as they grow and succeed, they will create opportunities for others. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, we start with one little cafe that was brand new that we partnered at. And then we went to Toyota. And then we went to Cannonball, which is a chain of four different cafes in Kingston. And then went to Jabloom Coffee. Coffee House, which is one of the largest, most historic coffee companies in Jamaica. And it's just been from one success to another. And each time our staff succeed at a place and represent the brand well, it creates opportunities for somebody else. And that's really, you know, that's their success pouring into somebody else. And so it's really not at all about me. I mean, I've been along for the ride as much <laughs> as anything. It's they're creating their own enterprise and they're creating their own opportunities for their fellow members of the deaf community. So they are giving back to each other and the community is growing stronger as a result of that. That's awesome. It'll just keep getting better. Is there, uh, to educate me a little bit, is yep. there, what's the percentage or is it a higher percentage of people who are hearing impaired in Jamaica versus the United States or other countries? Or is, it, is that something that's a same percentage globally? Or how does the hearing impaired community fit into Jamaica community overall? That's a good question. It's slightly higher percentage in Jamaica. Okay. However, we don't have great statistics. So it's hard to know exactly. But you will find in countries that have perhaps more developed healthcare systems that may Maybe there's a slightly less percentage. But I mean, Jamaica's healthcare is pretty good. Uh, it's it's not a bad healthcare system. Um, in some ways, I much prefer it to the U.S. healthcare system. But 
<laughs> regardless, there will always be there will always be deaf people in a population. It's part of how God has made us. Deaf people image God in a unique way. I believe sign language is a gift of God and captures a beauty of his creation in a way that uh, us as hearing people can't replicate him. I see that. And so there will always be deaf people. Yes, there are some more in Jamaica, perhaps percentage wise. Fortunately, too many of them are in rural towns and may never even get put into a school because the schools are all in the bigger cities. Oh, I see. Okay. Try and, you know, do what we can to continue to raise awareness. But yeah, good question. I, I would say it's, it's pretty similar though throughout the world. You're going to find, you know, about half of a percent to 1% of a population will be deaf or hard of hearing and likely communicate and function best in a signing environment. It's good work you're doing. It really is. And if you use coffee to do it, it's even better. You, mean, you, you can do God's work and drink coffee at the same time. Sounds like heaven, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It really does. Well, let's talk a little bit about your coffee. Jamaica is not known as one of the high producing coffee countries like Brazil, Guatemala, Ethiopia. But you do have some really good coffee and it's more expensive. But what, what makes it different? Is it the way it's grown? Is it the variety? Or, or just tell me a little bit about Jamaica coffee economy in general. It is my understanding that I could be wrong on some of the details of the history. Uh, it's my understanding that Ethiopian coffee was brought to Hispaniola, to Haiti, Dominican Republic. From there, it was brought to Jamaica and started planted, um, started to be grown in the Blue Mountain region. The Blue Mountains actually go to 7,000 feet here in Jamaica, and it's, it's very mild and cool and rainy and cloud cover, really good conditions for growing coffee. Right. Uh, so Jamaica and Blue Mountain coffee developed over time. At some point, the Japanese became really interested in Jamaican Blue Mountain coffee. And so it was a long time ago, but Japan started buying everything that Jamaica could produce, basically. And so the coffee industry grew. Coffee then spread to the lowland regions of Jamaica that have maybe like 1,500 to 2,500 foot elevation. Okay. And that's called Jamaican High Mountain Coffee. And it's regulated differently by the government than the Blue Mountain Coffee. The Blue Mountain Coffee in Jamaica is grown only in a specific mountain region, and it has to be above 2,500 feet to qualify. And then, you know, the farmers are licensed and everything. Okay. So what makes it unique, you know, my understanding is that part of it is the soil. Part of it is the slow growing season, that it's very mild, a lot of cloud cover. And so there's not as much sunshine. And so the berry really develops more slowly. And the density of the bean is really developed as a result of that. Okay. It's known for being very mild acidic. It does not have much pop to it. It's known for its mildness and uh, good chocolate tones. Okay. I personally have really fallen in love with Jamaican pea berry. Ah, pea berry. I like the fruity <laughs> element. It has a little bit more acidity. And I, I like love Ethiopian and Kenyan are my favorite beans. So if I drank Jamaican coffee, I'd want it to be a, a pea berry. That is funny. But it's good. It does demand a high price on the market because it's limited supply. I mean, it's grown in a specific mountain region. And so there's only so much. And the Japanese, you know, in the last 50 years have been fairly affluent and able to spend a premium on it. Definitely the international coffee competition is changing, though. There are a lot of countries that used to be more just commodity producers that are learning how to develop specialty coffee and grow it really well and market it well. So it's changing. You know, I, I see Jamaican coffee industry, they're having to get better at what they do, their practices from growing to processing to storage. Jamaica's being forced to improve because they're realizing that it's not as easy as it used to be to be successful in the international market. The specialty market has grown and it's a lot more particular. People are getting more 
wanting the good stuff versus just the gas station coffee type stuff. I think it's hilarious. You mentioned Peaberry because that is one of my favorite as well. It's an anomaly. And in in a previous episode with uh, Rolando at Spokes in Guatemala and in my education part, I covered the Peabody, uh, Peaberry, and I always call it Peabody. It's like a mental Mm -hmm. break, but I covered the Peaberry and, you know, how it's different and how it's formed differently. So I got to get some Jamaican Peaberry now. I'm thirsty. Well, y'all have your own farm, right? Because I looked where you've started your own farm. You grow your own now. So you're not just buying green beans from a producer. You're you're going the whole thing from, from cherry to cup, right? Yep, that's the plan. Three years ago, we planted our first seedlings at the School for the Deaf in Mandeville, which is the center of Jamaica. It's about an hour and a half from us here in Kingston. It's our sister school. It's the same Caribbean Christian Center for the Deaf. We leased some land from them, started a little cock farm. It's going well, so we're trying to expand it. Um, we recently got a grant from the Jamaica Stock Exchange to increase that land, so we're working on that now. This fall, we will be having our first real harvest. Cool. Our cherries are on the tree now. Early crop is coming in. Some of the team just went up there on Friday and picked about um, half of a five-gallon bucket of just early cherries coming off the tree. It's exciting. So yeah, our, our goal is kind of get into ourselves. We're learning a lot as we go though. It's fun, but it can be frustrating uh, as well. It's not an easy thing to get into. And I think it has increased our team's appreciation for what goes into every cup. Instead of just a barista going to a coffee shop and seeing there's roasted coffee that they grind and brew, <laughs> they see that and they think about planting the seedling. They think about pruning the tree. They think about weeding, spraying for insecticide, you know, all that stuff goes into it. And when you do that and you realize how much work goes into it, you appreciate coffee so much more. I mean, if everybody could just go to a coffee farm once in their life and talk to a coffee farmer and see how much work goes into it, you would never complain about paying, you know, $4 for a, a decent cup of coffee. It is worth it. There is so much work. And unfortunately, around the world, you know, 90% of coffee is grown in impoverished countries. And most of the staff that work on those farms are seasonal staff that get paid very little to do the work that they do. 100%. So there needs to be a greater awareness by the consumer on what goes into a cup of coffee. Because once you work on a farm, you realize it is a lot of work and you have a lot of risk involved too. If you have droughts, if you have a bunch of berry borer that comes through, if you have coffee leaf rust or if you have leaf miner, like all these things that hit us, you know, it's like, oh man, now we got another problem. It's like once you get one problem solved, another one comes up. And it's just, that's the life of a coffee farmer. It's been good for our team. We've learned a lot. That is cool. Yeah, I agree with you. I was in Guatemala on the mission trip um, last year and went to a coffee plantation. And I agree 100%. So much, so much goes into it all the way up to where when I have some beans here and I grind them, I, I don't want to mess up the grind or I don't want to have the water too hot or over extracted or under extract because I wasted that, you know, those that 20 grams yeah. of beans because I, I screwed it up. Because yeah. you mess up the chain of every hand that yeah. touched that bean yeah. all the way to you. You mess up the integrity. I don't think people realize that. Yeah, for sure. What's your elevation there, altitude that y'all grow, that your farm's going to be at? Our farm is at about 2,100 feet. I'm definitely going to try that out. I want to keep in touch with you when you get your first first batch. I want to be... <laughs> I want to be in on the beta tasting of that. Yeah, we're trying a honey process. So we are pulping it. Oh, that's sweet. We're not washing it. We're trying to, to leave a little bit of the mucilage on there and get a nice honey on it. So first, you know, a few samples, we, we tried it a few different ways and we feel like it's got potential to get a nice sweetness in the cup if we do it that way. 
where we're growing is not Blue Mountain coffee. It's in the high mountain region. Nice. Uh, so we don't, you know, expect this coffee to like gore super well or have any inherent amazing qualities, but it's the story behind it. And if we learn to process well, I think we can still develop a, a unique flavor profile that will have a, you know, a base of people that will appreciate it. You do sell coffee right now, right? But it's just not the coffee that you've grown. Tell me about the coffee that you've got available. Yes, you can go to our website, defcancoffee.com. Go there, see a little bit of our story. We actually need to update the website a little bit. It's pretty outdated, but our shop is linked on there. Our coffee beans, t-shirts, mugs. We got uh, Jamaican bamboo straws uh, that are good replacements. Um, Paper straws that they're moving to now are just, they don't work. Uh, They fall apart. So you need a a permanent straw for yourself to get one of those. But uh, yeah, our beans, uh, we purchase from other Blue Mountain Coffee farmers and companies. Primarily, we do have one source that we get High Mountain Coffee from. Okay that we blend into our espresso blend. But we, uh, on our website, we sell a a house blend and then we sell a premium 100% Blue Mountain coffee. Uh, So those are two options. And then I don't think we put on there necessarily pea berry, but when somebody orders, if they order 100% premium coffee, that you can specify in the comments that you want it to be pea berry. I'm doing that. And we'll make sure you get pea berry instead of flat beans. But different people like different things, but they will both be the same same premium bean from Jamaica. Just one might be flat versus one might be a pea berry. Well, I did not know that you had the pea berry. So I think today I was just telling Michelle I'm running low on coffee. Well, low for me, probably not low for other people. So I think that might be my next purchase, man. I'm going to have to get some of your pea berry from Jamaica. Sounds good. I don't know uh, when you plan to air this. It might not be in time, but I will be traveling up the States in two weeks on July 30th. So if anybody listens to this before and orders uh, with coronavirus, it's been harder to ship things. So we just send it up in suitcases and mail it. Um, but somebody else from our team will be traveling um, in mid-August. So that would be another shop to get stuff up to the States. People can contact you. I'll have all your contact information in there. Or however they want to order, I will definitely put the links for the merchandise and, and the coffee in there. Is there anything else that you want to say? I, I totally 100% appreciate you. I've learned some things about your ministry and about Jamaican coffee. So I appreciate that. But is there one thing or two or three things you want people to remember about Def Can Coffee before we go? Follow us on Instagram at Death Can Coffee. We're on Facebook, but honestly, we're not active on Facebook anymore. Instagram is the best place to follow us. But I think our message is just for you as an individual, if you're listening to this, if there's an area in your life where you feel like you're limited, that you can't do something, that you're somehow inferior to others, I just encourage you to look into the scriptures and see what God says and uh, learn to embrace ourselves as an image bearer of His. And when we see ourselves in the light of who He's made us to be, uh, we'll realize uh, there's no limits. And if we put our minds to something and, and work at it, there's nothing that we can't achieve. So just encourage people to view themselves in a positive and healthy light. That's awesome. That's a great message. And you use coffee to do it. All right. Well, thanks again. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate you having me on. Stay caffeinated. Light roast. Dark roast. Pour over. French press. Ethiopian Yergashefi. Guatemalan El Socorro. Cold brew. Mocha pot. Fine grind. Coarse grind. Cappuccino. Espresso. If all of this makes coffee seem confusing to you, you're about to get educated. Are you ready to rumble? Ding, ding. It's time for a brew battle. Today's education portion of the episode is the very first ever Connect Over Coffee brew battle. 
And we are having a brew off between a mocha pot and a French press. But before we get to those, what the heck is a brew battle and how does it work? Are there points? Of course there's points. Everything has points, but sometimes people don't let the points matter, but (laughs) there's always points involved for me. So I've came up with this craziness of a brew battle where I will take a brew method or in the future, it could be two different types of coffee, but I'm going to start off the the combatants in the arena with the French press and the milk pot. All right. So let's meet these contestants. Tell me a little bit of an overview about French press. All right. The French press in this corner wearing the orange trunks. Most people know about the French press. It's become very popular. You can get a really you know good cup of coffee. There's more to it than people think. But basically, you take the coffee, put it in some type of container, put the water in there and let it steep for usually several minutes then and stir it so that all the coffee gets immersed. And then you have the plunger that goes down into the container. Then when you pour the coffee, it doesn't let the grounds come out. So it strains the grounds away from it as best it can. So it's more of a longer steeping process within within the decanter. All right. And a mocha pot. That's mocha, M-O-K-A, not mocha like chocolate, right? Not like chocolate. I know you were disappointed. Yes. Because um, when I was talking about a mocha pot, you were thinking- I got all excited. A big pot, a big pot of chocolate. That works for um, me. But sadly, no. Basically, it's it's really kind of cute. It's it's kind of octagon shaped. It's got, you know, eight sides to it. And it has three chambers. The bottom chamber is where the water is. And then the next chamber is where the grounds are. And then the top chamber is empty to begin with, because as the water heats, the steam goes up through this the middle chamber and then up through a spout and spills out into the top container, and there's your coffee there. It's also called a stovetop espresso machine or cowboy coffee because it can be done outside over a campfire if there's a grate over the campfire or something like that. So it's a little more portable that you can carry it wherever there's a flame or a heat, so you can do it that way. And that's more akin to espresso, where the French press makes more like a standard cup of coffee brewed, like a drip coffee. So they're, they're different in that way in their end products as well. Okay, so we can get more in depth with each one of those in a future episode that we're doing education just on that. But what are the factors in this brew battle? What are you judging? Well, first off, it was a little bit selfish because I'd been wanting to have a mocha pot. And when I decided to do the brew battle, I was just going to research them and make my decision from from researching on what the mocha pot was. And then a wonderful, wise person told me, well, that's not good. That's not good research. You need to actually use one and buy one. So so I did. I bought one. Thank you, a wise one. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> All right. So what are you actually judging about these things? I'm going to grade how easy it is, the time that it takes, the control that you have over what's going on, and then the taste, the flavor, All right. the brew- end product that is brewed. Okay. So tell me what the results are. Let's break the battle down. Okay. As far as the ease goes, they're both pretty easy. Put the water in the mocha pot, put the coffee in the middle filter chamber, you put it on the stove, and then you wait. So that's it's pretty easy as far as that goes. On the French press, it's pretty easy as well. You know, you got to grind them. The grind is same time to grind, so that's not a factor as far or a tie. French press is a more coarse grind. Mocha is more of a finer grind. Put the grounds in the decanter, boil the water. So you're waiting the same for that. And then you just pour that in and, and let it go. So ease-wise, it's it's pretty close. I want to say it's 
maybe a photo finish, but maybe the mocha pot winning out a little bit just because you don't have the stirring, you don't have the the weighting and the plunging and, and things like that. So I'll give one point to the mocha. On the time-wise, like I said, you wait with the mocha pot as long as the water boils. And then once it, it spews over, you pour it and you've got a nice cup of espresso right away. The French press takes longer because you got to wait for the water to boil. Then you have to pour the water into the grounds, stir it, wait four to five minutes and then plunge it and then pour it. So it takes longer on the French press. So on the time battle, it goes to the mocha by two points because it's it's quicker. So right now, two points plus the one point. Are we at mocha three, French press zero? Yes. All right. All right. On control, you don't have a whole lot of control with the mocha pot because you, you grind the coffee, you put it in the chamber, you boil the water, it sprays over into the top chamber, you pour it out and you drink it. So you really don't have a whole lot of control on that. On the French press, you do have more control because you can adjust the grind a little bit more, a little coarser, a little less coarse or whatever. Also, you have more control on the time. Some people let it go three minutes. Some people let it go for five or six minutes. Some people let it go, stir it again, let it sit longer, depending on how much flavor they want, more or less extraction-wise. So you have a lot more control on the French press than you do on the mocha pot. So the French press wins on control by two. So we've got three to two now. French press is coming back. That's right. It's close. And there's only one more category. That is true. The taste, the flavor. So the mocha pot gives you more of an espresso type drink. It's going to be strong. It's going to be bold. It's less, you know, espresso comes in usually two ounces or you can pour as much as you want, but two ounces type thing where the French press is going to be more full bodied, more smooth, depending on how long you let it go. But it does have more sediments depending on the filter because you can have some grounds at the bottom there so that it can get a little oily and groundy too. So depending on what flavor you like, this one's tough because some people like the strong, bold espresso and some people like more of a full-bodied brewed cup of coffee. So I'm going to give three points to each. That one's a tie because it's going to be, I don't know how to judge that one because everybody's going to be a little bit different on that, depending on what type of coffee they like. All right. But you just exceeded my math skills. Where are we? Oh, I was counting on you to keep up. (laughs) That's a mistake. It was three to two mocha. And then I gave each one three. So six to five. Is that right? Mm Mm-hmm. So mocha wins by one. Carry the four, divide by the square root of pi. So why did originally in the very first one, when it was a tie, they both only got one point. And then in the taste, they both got three points. Because it's my brew battle. (laughs) (laughs) I should have known. Awesome. All right. So mocha pot wins. (laughs) Mocha pot wins. So if I was to offer you coffee and say, which do you want? Would you choose mocha pot? No, I'd choose a pour over. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess that's the next brew battle. (laughs) Mocha pot versus pour over. Yeah, it's kind of like a basketball, you know, the March Madness. You got brackets. So (laughs) you're going to have them. 
coming from different sides. But honestly, you know, once I started doing this, I'm like, you know, that's going to depend. I could have everything the same and somebody else tastes it and like, oh, I love the French press. I don't like the mocha because yeah. they don't like espresso. So the flavor one is hard to judge because that is going to be a personal preference. How do they compare in cost? Is a mocha pot more expensive than a French press? Or is if you figured out how much the coffee cost you when you were done with it, which would one be more expensive than the other? The coffee cost is going to be about the same because they use about the same amount of grams for each one. It's just the grind size that's a little different. Cost wise on the mocha pot, you can get anywhere from there were some for $12, $15 up to $70, depending on stainless steel, aluminum, size of the pot. There's some that have bigger capacities from a three cup, which they say a cup is two ounces for espresso. So it's three cups up to 12 cups. So you can have a large mocha pot as well. And then the same thing on the French press. They can be made of plastic. They can be made of glass. They can be made of stainless steel as well. The one I have is stainless steel, but it's also insulated. So it keeps the coffee warmer longer because it does make a larger capacity than the one I have. And they're also the same way, about the same price, anywhere from 15 to 70 $75. So price-wise, depending on capacity and what it's made of, you could get a comparable one at each price level. So what we'll do is we'll put some recommendations for folks. If they want to try out their own brew battle at home, we'll put a low-end, a mid-grade, and a high-end version that we would recommend in the show notes that people could check out. That sounds good. The other thing, well, you know, maybe I should give one point to the French press and make it just an overall tie because, you know, I like to fiddle with things and experiment, you know, when we grill or smoke stuff, I just can't leave things alone. So with the French press, you have the fiddle factor, which gives it one more bonus point out of left field. And we'll just call it a tie. (laughs) The fiddle factor? Wait, is this fiddle factor because you're fiddling with the rules now? Or is this fiddle factor because you can mess around when you make a French press more? You're correct. It is my rules. I can fiddle with whatever I want. (laughs) Okay. But what I'm trying to understand is, does that have anything to actually do with the coffee or not? Well, actually it does because the more you fiddle with it, another word for fiddle would be experiment. So the more you change that factor, you could change the flavor. You know, you could fiddle with it because you went five minutes instead of four and it tastes better for you. So you you fiddle factored it up to something you like better than the other way. All right. So there actually is not just with the rules, but there actually is more of a fiddle factor with the French <laughs> press than there is with the mocha pot. Because the mocha pot, you can't do as much to change, right? Is that what you're telling me? There's no fiddling with the mocha pot because because if you do, you burn your hand. I tried to fiddle with the mocha pot and I burned my fingers. (laughs) So there's a safety factor as well. There's a safety factor. That's a half a point. Safety third. Yeah. Caffeine and weirdness, baby. Caffeine and weirdness. All right. Today on Caffeine and Weirdness, we're going to talk about the connection of coffee and music. Is there really a coffee and music connection? I mean, I'm assuming there's something going on here. You wouldn't want to talk about it, but really? Coffee and music? What's weird about that? Well, you knew with my love of music that somehow I was going to connect coffee and music together to talk about both. Yeah, I think this is just an excuse. Yeah, but (laughs) not so much. It is weird that coffee has been mentioned in a lot of different songs over the years. I thought we could talk about that. There's a connection. So is there one genre that seems to want to sing about coffee more than others? Actually, you you might think so. Like some real 
fast paced, you know, speed metal or something really, really fast. Or like but Seattle no. grunge, like where Starbucks came from or cowboys sitting around a campfire drinking coffee, singing country songs. Coffee encompasses all genres. <laughs> okay. it, is, it is such a universal beverage that goes with music. You can talk about coffee. You can be fueled by coffee. You can have fun things about coffee. I've got a few examples that we can talk about that maybe I can get the weirdness right, out there. go for it. All right. The first one, I'm going to take you all the way back to 1941 to the Ink Spots talking about Java Jive is the name of the song. And it's a jazzy, peppy, hip hop you know, t- type song that it's really fun um, to listen to. One of the lines is, I love the Java and the Java loves me. So that's weird. <laughs> I think it's really weird to have hip hop in 1941. I'm thinking. Well, that was a misspeak. <laughs> on my part. I got excited. Okay. Cause you love Java and Java loves you. It does. It does. <laughs> you ever think that coffee's addicted to me? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's weirdness. <laughs> I saw it on a shirt. <laughs> All right. Chalk that down to one more shirt we need to make. All right. There's a long list. There's so many. <laughs> so we have a 1941 song. Anything else? Not on that one. Okay. I'm going to move on. Skipping a few years to the year of my birth, 1965, written by Tom T. Hall. Coffee, coffee, Unique coffee. Title. Yeah, I sat up all night <laughs> thinking about that one. It is really, um, shockingly, it's kind of a mellow song about the glory of coffee and how you can make friends over coffee. And it's it's just more of a, a happy song about the benefits well, we of coffee. We love that here at Connect Over Coffee, right? Right. Uh, that's why I picked that one, because it kind of goes right along with Connect yeah. Over Coffee. And Tom T. Hall is a great storyteller, great songwriter. I'm going to have links to all of these songs, too, just so people know in the show notes. This particular one was uh, sung by Dave Dudley, and he's got a very nice voice, very smooth voice. The next one, I'm going to switch genres again to Todd Rundgren, excellent guitarist in the rock genre. His song is named Espresso, which it is a jacked up song. It is fast paced. It's fun. Talks about all the different types of coffee. It lists their names, where they came from. It's just a moving song with some great guitar work. But what I love even more, when you see the link, it is set to a video of Lego people. And <laughs> I love Lego. There's an automatic connection between Legos and coffee, right? <laughs> Absolutely. That's weird. What's not to love about well, both true. of those things? They are very lovable. But the video is well done. I mean, they're in a coffee shop moving around and then they're on stage <laughs> with a guitar and they're in a jet plane flying to another place. It is entertaining. It is very good. The next one, since this episode has been dealing with Jamaica, I got one from All Bob right. Marley. One cup of coffee is very early from Bob Marley. And the thing that may be a little weird about that is not many people know about this song that he had because it was on like his first album. But I wanted to make sure it was included because we talked about Jamaica, but how it has gotten a lot of critical acclaim that it happened so early in his career. They thought it was a much more complex song that he would have come up with later. They were surprised that he got it earlier. So that may not be weird. I'm just trying to get the Jamaica Blue Mountain and the Def Can Coffee. I'm connection. always up for some Marley. Yeah, a little self-serving <laughs> here. 
But the next one is truck driving man. The reason I like that is it's not necessarily about coffee like the other ones have talked about coffee, about what coffee does for you, espresso and and all that good stuff. This is more about what you do with coffee and how coffee keeps you going, especially if you're a truck driving man. That has been covered by so many people. But it was also written by Buck Owens, a little double double bonus there. But David Allen Coe has covered this. Also, Ricky Nelson has covered this. The Jay Giles Band, Conway Twitty, the Flying Burrito Brothers. I mean, it has just <laughs> okay, been covered wait a by... <laughs> a song that's covered by the Flying Burrito Brothers and Conway Twitty and Jay Giles? Maybe that is weird. It's weirder yeah, than I thought. That might be a little weird. Oh, well. Hey, look, I made it weird and didn't know it. <laughs> But the one that I had the link to is by Uncle Tupelo. So that's more of an alt-country type rock genre there. Some people will definitely know. That is just a small smattering of songs that I found that I tried to share, you know, tried to do a across-the-genre thing of coffee. But I'm sure other people have other songs that they love about coffee. I had a buddy of mine, Roger Burnett, send me one this week about coffee. So what I want to do is have you go to the Connect Over Coffee Facebook page. I'm going to start a thread there, and I want everyone to add their favorite song about coffee and maybe a couple words of why they like it. But I want everybody to submit their favorite songs. You can do more than one, as many songs as you want. And then I will make a playlist for y'all and put it on Spotify so that you can have a fun, happy genre crossing coffee playlist whenever you want. (laughs) That may be the weirdness because I know that there's other Spotify playlists that are organized around coffee house. Like I I think the very first early one I remember was like a singer songwriter coffee house venue type list. So there's a genre and organization, but this might be the weirdest playlist (laughs) because it will be including all kinds of different genres. Yeah, that's true. There is that in the coffee shop. I know, uh, Sirius XM radio has a coffee shop where it's just acoustic, you know, stripped down. They may be doing their most famous songs, but stripped down. I know there's a coffee shop jazz channel on Spotify as well. So there's a lot of different channel wise, but yeah, maybe, maybe I'm going to make the weirdest one with the help of our community. It's not just me. I'm not the only weird one. Please tell me that. (laughs) There's dead silence on on this side of the mic. Do you hear that? (laughs) Crickets. I hear crickets. So we'll see everybody on the Facebook page with all your your fun coffee songs. That's all we have brewed for you for this episode. Thanks to all y'all for listening and connecting over coffee with Michelle and I. We need a quick favor, though. If you liked anything we said, laughed a little, learned a little, or just enjoyed the weirdness, we would really appreciate you going and giving us a rating. Five stars are the best. And a review also. They really help. Thanks again. And remember... Stay caffeinated. Hey, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I got your six. (laughs) All right. That was pretty fun. Okay. We're going to do the whole thing over. Go for it. Do that again. I was yelling at the dog. I'm trying to get him to stop moving around. (laughs) Wiley, stop it. Wait, 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 wait. It, it, it is hard. Let's move on. If <laughs> <laughs> we beat that to death. Oh, I just made that up at the end, the fiddle factor. Are you kidding? hundred <laughs> percent. That came out of nowhere. I'm aware. Oh, okay. I thought you thought I hadn't written that down. No, I knew that was a joke. But you're going to use it, right?
Yeah, I think you have location enabled because I think I'm looking at a map of Nashville. Yes, you are. And I don't. No, you don't. I'm looking at like a, world. a flat globe. <laughs> yes, that's true. At least we can tell each other apart. Bingo, bango, bongo. And just like that, it's time for you to edit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs>